tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and skyworn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, Emmy-winning storm chaser and photographer Chris Sanner, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. All right, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast, and we have a dog apparently. <laughs> what the heck? Was that? that was like that was like, that was a hype. That was getting uh, hype. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and, and for those of you watching our recording, it's Stormfront Freaks Raw. And if it's your first time listening, welcome. Uh, be sure to catch our last episode with Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV's William Cole. Or you can catch our previous shows uh, with guests like the Weather Channel's uh, Jim Cantori. We've had Extreme Storm Chaser Reed Timmer. Uh, you can go back in our catalog and check all of those. But this is episode 36, and our guest this week is meteorologist and weather correspondent for CNN, Jennifer Gray. Yay! Yay! Uh, we'll also be discussing the mixed messages TV weather channels are sending to the public in regards to tropical storms and hurricanes. And don't forget, stick around for our tight new minute, Weather Fools, WX Resources, listener comments. And at this point, really, we don't know what else. So, so you always want to stay tuned. But let's quick introduce the team. It's always happy hour while we're recording uh so let's find out what everybody's drinking mj up in minnesota what do you have all right well it is the last day of summer at least as we record this so i uh, went to the refrigerator and pulled out my last can of liney's summer shandy in honor wow wow there you go it's sad there goes summer was it hot up in minnesota today yes it was uh, about 85 and we're supposed to have a heat index of 100 tomorrow beautiful let's go it's good, good to pull that out. And we got finally, we got uh, Dina back after Yay. Harvey and yeah, Irma yeah. took uh, took their share of Dina's time. Yes. Uh, yeah, but what do you got, Dina? What are you drinking? All right. So you know I love Wonder Woman, right? We so know that, yes. I we did know. this drink when the movie came out, and now the DVD has been released. So I have the Wonder Woman drink in my oh, Wonder yes. Woman glass <laughs> and a oh. Wonder Woman shirt. Wow. And, and it's really good. I'm going to tweet the recipe. It's fabulous. Wonder uh, Woman is strong, so I'd have to imagine the drink kind of goes along with that. Yes? It's good. It's it's different. <laughs> it's uh, it's wonderful. We'll just say it like good. that. Dina, Dina right, doesn't drink strong drinks. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> they always have fruit. fruit. All right, Maz. Maz, you're in Cincinnati. What are you drinking tonight? Yeah, and, uh, so from MJ, the end of summer, I'm back to my Lining Kugel Oktoberfest. It's really oh, wow. good. Ooh, I had it good. last week, and I'm like, yep. darn, this is good. So mm. it's limited. I don't know how long it's limited, but I'm drinking it. Mm. October. Right. Just yeah. October. <laughs> October, right. <laughs> All right, then we got Kim is down in Atlanta. Kim, what are you drinking tonight? What IPA are you drinking tonight, I should ask? <laughs> how, did you, how did you know that? Um, <laughs> I am just drinking, yes, just a feeling, um, Bell, uh, Ballast Point. This is the grapefruit uh, sculpin. I love the regular sculpin. So this is the first time for me to have the grapefruit sculpin, but I want you to see what I'm drinking it out of. You see it? Can you see oh, it? Frankenstein. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, wow. oh, kind of creepy. I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. 
<laughs> I've had my decorations up for about two weeks. Yeah. I was wondering <laughs> if you had your Halloween decorations oh, up. Oh, those have those I for know. sure gotten blown off though, right? After uh, some winds came through. Yeah. Any skeletons? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. We have coming out. What episode was that? We literally have about eight skeletons that we put on the house. (laughs) You know, we hang them up out there. So yeah, I'm ready. All right, Brady. Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to Brady, and he's not in Naples, Florida. I had written down that you might be in Naples, but you are not. No. Well, I thought I was gonna be live broadcasting from the beach uh, with the storm in the background, you know, hurricane force winds. But unfortunately, didn't work out like that. So I'm back in Columbus, and I'm drinking a Rheingeist. Those Cincy people. All right. Oktoberfest. It is incredible. I usually am like a summer beer kind of guy, you know, wheat. But this is this is pretty good. Hans and Franz, right? Yeah. How's the how's the calories that on that um, for your figure? Uh, well, we're not worrying about that right now. Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not in that diet phase. You're now. not back I, on the diet. I'm still no, no. <laughs> I've, I've worked it off the past couple of days. Okay. The, I saw a video of him on the beach going. Which way is the beach? <laughs> <laughs> he brought the he brought the gun show down to Naples. <laughs> Big time. All right. Well, speaking of Cincinnati beer, uh, that's what I'm drinking tonight from good old Mad Tree. Awesome. Uh, just tonight, they actually released their Pilgrim beer for the first time in cans. Uh, this is my favorite all-time beer. It only comes out around Thanksgiving time. It is an ale with cranberries, vanilla beans, and uh, other natural flavors. But it's got a... It's got it's got a Captain Crunch aftertaste to it. If you ever had Captain, <laughs> no way. Captain can, Crunch, is it is it like a IPA or what kind of? What kind uh, of it's like a pale ale. I'd say more like okay. a pale ale. Okay. So it's a little hoppy. Okay. okay. Not not too hoppy. Not like an IPA hoppy. But there's there's a little to it. Yeah, but, a little hop um, to it. But you guys funny. are like the beer connoisseurs, like wine connoisseurs. <laughs> Uh-huh. One both. I'm, yes. I'm kind of multifaceted. I can I can review both. So. He's, the, he's the Scotch <laughs> connoisseur. All right. Well, let, yeah. and then I'm I'm actually going to go. jump to our guest tonight, who apparently is joining us for happy hour. Jennifer is in Atlanta. What are you drinking, Jennifer? Well, since I just had a baby about three and a half weeks ago, I'm saving my one <laughs> glass of wine per night for you guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. This yeah. is a glass of a Chardonnay. Uh, it's from Washington State in honor of my husband. And um, when you've basically been dry for about a year, it doesn't matter what it is, how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> Was it. it open to like a year ago and you're like, I'll drink it? That's yeah. <laughs> we, just, we just hope she doesn't pass out before we're done with the show. I know. Oh, we haven't God. had it so for awesome. a year. Let's, we'll see what happens. Well, good. Well, now that we know you're ready to have some fun, Jennifer, let's get to your formal introduction. And okay. uh, Kim, take it over. Oh, I'd love to introduce this lovely lady. As you said earlier, Phil, she's currently a meteorologist at CNN, on-camera meteorologist at CNN. But before that, Jennifer was a weekend morning show meteorologist and actually a feature reporter for WTVJ in Miami. Uh, She covered severe weather, of course, any tropical weather, and also producing specials that focused on hurricane preparedness and safety, which is so awesome. She holds a BS in geosciences, um, broadcast meteorology program at Mississippi State, also a BA in broadcast journalism 
from Northwestern State University in Louisiana. She also holds a seal of approval from the AMS, and she is a huge Saints and LSU fan. I got to get that in there. Also, a lot of you may not know this, but Jennifer is an avid fisherwoman, or if you want, whatever you want to call her. She has a passion for fishing. She's actually been on the cover of Florida Sportsman, which is so cool. (laughs) And also, she's big into ocean conservation and has done a lot of speeches around the country um, trying to get people aware of what's going on in the ocean. So, Jennifer, we're so happy to have you. And, uh, you know, I know being a mom, a new mom, that uh, I know you're very excited and and we just are so happy for you. But I really, I really, I think a lot of us are interested in woman meteorology, the fact that you are a meteorologist, but also you've got this love for, for oceans and for mm-hmm. what's going on in the ocean. What got you started in all of this? Well, uh, what got me started in meteorology uh, goes back to when I was in high school. Um, I did this internship with uh, one of the meteorologists at the local station, and Janine Diadamo, she's still in weather. She um, does some work in Naples and Orlando. Uh, She was my mentor in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I fell in love with what she did. Uh, And she basically um, taught me the ropes at a very, very young age, and so I went and followed through with that. Um, Interesting how I got the internship though, when I was in high school, it was sort of this um, career mentorship program where you could get out of school for half a day if you went on a job site. And so I was like, sign me up. And I had a friend that knew someone at the TV station. I was like, what? I, you know, I'd never even thought about doing anything in news or even weather. Um, But luckily I did and I fell in love with it um, basically because of her. And um, my fishing background goes back to when I was probably four years old, fishing off the dock at my grandmother's uh, lake house off the pier, and just grew up loving it, started tournament fishing a little bit um, in my 20s. And then when I moved to Florida to work at WTVJ, I started saltwater fishing and loved that, started hosting a fishing show in in Miami. um, And I did that for a season and then um, started doing some ocean conservation work with Guy Harvey and um, just goes on from there. But yeah, I love the ocean conservation aspect of it. I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with meteorology and climate, you know, and, and ocean conservation. It's all sort of this tangled web. So I just, I love it all. What's the fish that you really want to catch? Like, have you had a rainbow yet? <laughs> rainbow trout? Yeah. Yes, yes, I caught the, my biggest one up wow. here in North Georgia, actually. Really? There. Any wow. sharks? Caught any sharks? Yeah, what's the biggest fish you ever <laughs> caught? <laughs> the biggest fish I ever caught was probably, and I was in Nova Scotia. We were doing a, uh, a tagging expedition with Guy Harvey and a couple of scientists, and we were tagging the bluefin tuna, and I caught a 900-pound bluefin tuna. And that was wow. Awesome. wow. Oh, my gosh. What did you do with it? <laughs> it's <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> it was tasty. Sushi for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. We were on this big 50-foot um, lobster boat, the steel hull boat, and the fish dragged us like five miles while we were trying to reel it in. The reel was as big as your head. I mean, it was huge. And crazy. Was, oh, my God. The reel was attached to me. I was attached to the chair, and the chair was attached to the boat. So... We weren't going anywhere without the fish. <laughs> no, God. It's like Jaws. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer, in you've you know you've had been a lot of different stations. What would you say has been the like the craziest storm slash hurricane slash weather event you've had to cover in all your years? Um, probably the most memorable was my very first tornado Mm. aftermath because I was 21 years old. I was a young meteorologist, just super eager. I worked all day. We knew we had a severe weather outbreak that night. And so I stayed there overnight. Um, I was working at Beaumont, touched down um, about an hour and a half north of Beaumont in Jasper County. And that morning, right after daybreak, my boss said, you know, head up there, see what you can find. And so, you know, being a young meteorologist, I was pumped. I was like, let's get up there. Let's see what happens, you know? And we, we made the drive up there. And then once I got there was when it kind of became very real what this job was. And I, it just humbled me so much because you see that, you know, the weather happens all around you, you know, as a meteorologist, you get, um, you know, you see these incredible, you know, hurricanes that are forming out in the ocean. You see it on satellite, you know, and for us, we were seeing this storm on radar. It was, it was, it was massive. And so we get up there and you see all the destruction and it, you just, your jaw hits the ground and you're like, wow, this, this is, this is real. These are real lives. These are real people that we're dealing with. And, um, I'll never forget, I saw this guy in a wheelchair and he, um, you know, was was out on the sidewalk where everyone was looking at the destruction. I mean, we saw pine needles stuck in the, the tree trunks, you know, like everyone talks about. And um, I was just, I was dumbfounded. And he said um, that house, that there was a house that was just completely gone. And he said that was his house, that somebody carried wow. him out mm. the rubble and saved his life. And from that day on, I don't think I ever looked at my job the same. You know, it was yeah. it was a very very real moment, and that's probably the one thing that sticks out of my mind the most. Wow. Mm-hmm. So where have you been? Like, what are some of the stations you've been at? So I started in Beaumont, Texas, um, at uh, Channel Four there, and it was the NBC affiliate. And then I went up to Shreveport, Louisiana, which is my hometown. That's where I did the internship with Janine Diadamo, okay. <laughs> director at the time. Love her. I mean, she's great. After mm-hmm. I did finish my internship, she said, go to college, get some experience and come back and I'll hire you. And she did. Oh, and nice. Oh, same wow. news director awesome. when I was an intern. So she hired me. I worked there for um, two years and then uh, went to Miami to WTVJ. Ended up going back to Shreveport for a couple of years and then back to TVJ. So I worked at two stations twice and then <laughs> came up to Atlanta to CNN. Um, I've been there for four years. And, you know, some people may not know this, but Jennifer is married to Chris Warren of the Weather Channel. And uh, tell us how you guys met. How did, how did this happen? Yeah, he's standing just off screen watching our little guy. So, hi, Chris. <laughs> hi, Chris. Chris. <laughs> he says hi. Um, so, yeah, so I met him at a weather conference, the AMS broadcast conference in Nashville, Tennessee. He was already working for the Weather Channel. I was um, in Miami. And... I'll never forget walking in that room. You know, you try to scope out the room at these conferences to see if you know someone. And I spotted Mike Bettis because I knew him. He was the only one in the room I knew. And I was there with my friend from Miami. And so I go sit by him and um, and Chris was sitting behind him. And so this is where our stories vary because I think Mike introduced <laughs> us, but Chris thinks that he introduced himself. Well, I anyway. definitely introduced myself. <laughs> <laughs> Mike wasn't introducing me to pretty girls. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was the closest thing to love at first sight you could you could oh. get. 
That's cool. this. But I, by the end of the conference, we had my ticket booked to Atlanta to come visit him. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now we're married and have a, have a little boy. So. So, so is that what brought you to CNN or, or how did that all transpire? Wow, that just fell out of the sky. I was actually, um, it's funny because Chris always tells, tells everyone that um, he's, he wished that I would have stayed in Miami a little longer because he loved coming to visit. <laughs> I was going to stay there for, you know, at least another contract. So we'd only been dating about five or six months. Um, but this job came about. I had just hired an agent and she called me. She was renegotiating my new contract with uh, NBC and called me out and was like, hey, uh, CNN's looking for a meteorologist. Would you be interested in going to talk to them? And I didn't think a thing of it. I really didn't think I would ever work for the network. I love local news and local weather. And so I, but I would never turn down an interview. So I went up there really not thinking anything of it. And um, it's a job because I felt no pressure on myself at all. I was talking to my, who's now my boss about the Bears season, the Chicago Bears season, and you know, it was just very laid back. And I ended up getting the gig and fell in love with CNN. I called my agent after that interview and I said, "I love it here. I want to work here." You know, and so, um, you know, one thing leads to another, and here I am. You, you tip your agent a little more. Yeah, she deserves it for sure. I mean, it's it's been a great gig. I've I've loved every minute of it. It's it's been weird the past few weeks sitting back and watching an eclipse, three storms, <laughs> oh landfall, you know, and just watching from behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, there's there's really no place I'd rather be right now. But it is weird watching it from from behind, you know, not being there. Uh-huh. Oh, Jennifer, what do you think in terms of like? Local news versus, or local weather versus, you know, national weather. What you like more, and you know, what are kind of the differences that you've seen in, in in broadcasting like that? What I loved about local weather is you felt such a connection to the community. You know, um, being local, you just focused on that one area. Uh, the viewers knew you, you knew them. Um, there was just a really strong connection, and especially ahead of storms. You know, you were. Um, um, you know, I felt like you were really out front, you know, trying to um, warn people and things like that, uh, which we do the same at CNN, but it's on such a broad scale that yeah. um, you kind of lose that community connection that you had in local news. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have, we spend 30 seconds to a minute in the mornings talking about the entire country's weather. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to basically, you know, pinpoint that, that local local feel you know you get more time of course when you have rain falling storms like we have this week but uh in general it's you know feels feels more broad a little bit more disconnected of course when you have rain falling storms like we have this week but uh in general it's you know feels feels more broad a little bit more disconnected all right so how long you been at cnn i've been here there for four years so uh have is chad meyer still there yes he is He's been there so, a long time. He's my fraternity brother. We went to school together in Nebraska. Oh, wow. He's yeah. So what do you think about him? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Chad. I think he's great. I think that he's one of the best at explaining yeah. things. He can mm-hmm. explain anything and make you understand it no matter what it is. And he's very, very talented at what he does. And he's very, very good at, at just getting the point across because – that's one of the biggest things at CNN. We just don't have a lot of time to talk about 
thanks. You know, mm-hmm. they, we have very limited time to get the point across. Whereas, you know, uh, Chris, the weather channel, they're talking about weather all the time, you know? And so um, Chad's really good at just getting to the point and making it simple where people can understand it. And I admire that about him. Yeah. I had a student loan that hadn't come in yet and I was freaking out. He's like, what do you need? I go like, like 500 bucks. He goes, come on, let's go to the ATM. He just like whips out oh, 500 wow. bucks for me. Aww. <laughs> I was like, brother's oh, wow. forever, That's man. That's nice. So, wow. so Jennifer, I'm dying to know, because I think a lot, a decent amount of people know kind of like what local meteorologists do. What is like the average day look, um, you know, like for you at CNN, you know, because that's a whole different ballgame. It is. And I guess the, the difference in, you know, CNN versus local news is we have a whole team of people, you know, yeah. to help put us on the air. We're in local. You're, you're making the maps. You're updating the mm-hmm. web. You're, you're making the forecast. You're doing everything. Yeah. Um, you really got to give props to the producers once you get on the network level because they do so much of the heavy lifting with making these beautiful graphics and you know it's such a team effort. I mean, we we all discuss the forecast and we all um, have our ideas about what we want, but at the end of the day, they're really the ones that that make the magic and make the graphics beautiful and you know make us look good. So um, that's probably the biggest difference. Um, you know, do we have a lot more support? you know, and so there's a lot more that we can do and we can put on television and uh, which actually makes it a lot more fun at the end of the day. Hmm. So what are your hours like? I'm sorry, Dina. That's good. My hours? I I have probably the greatest hours ever. So um, I go in around 11. I start at noon is my my start time. And then I'm there until dot, dot, dot. So if there's a big weather event happening, I would be on the hook until about 10 o'clock. That's not bad. Most of the time when the weather's quiet, um, you know, CNN doesn't really cover much weather unless weather's making news. And so, um, you know, I'll dodge out of there around Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh, sign me up. Hey, I've got a average like segment time that you they give you um When I'm filling in for chat and I do new day on the mornings they get about 20 to 30 seconds normally Oh, that's that's Um, quick. It's two graphics. Maybe you get a lot of information in there. Holy crap I can get about four or five graphics in there. I struggled to get three so Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But if there's you know something happening if we have a tornado um in action, if we have a landfalling storm, I mean, they've been getting the last couple of weeks, four and five minutes for a hit. So it all yeah. basically is dependent upon what's happening. Um, you know, in the mornings, they do a little bit more weather than the primetime shows that I do. Uh, those are the ones where they really just do weather if weather's making news. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just going to have us up there doing a generic, a generic forecast. And I think that was one of the challenges um, when I started at CNN to sort of get accustomed to because in local news you have certain times you have two and a half minutes to talk about mm-hmm. this or three and a half minutes it's very structured at cnn it's not structured at all i mean you could be sitting there packing your bags to go home and an earthquake happens somewhere and they're saying okay we need you now to talk about this and you're you know <laughs> scrambling wait, 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 let me look at it at first yeah sure. they're like go you know and so you just you just talk because you have to um you know until they can get a lot of those um, people on that, you know, they want to interview from there on out. One of the other um, interesting things I did was the, um, or one of the most impactful things I did probably for CNN was the 
the fires in Gatlinburg. Yeah. Um, oh, you guys I remember, remember that? Yeah. yeah. I was up, I, they called me, I was about to go to bed. It was 1030 at night and they called me and said, hey, these fires. And I had been looking at it on Twitter and said, wow, this is a big deal. And they called and they said, we need to get up there. So we got in the car and drove. And we got there around five in the morning and we were ready to do live shots for the 6 a.m. Wow. show. So did you ever sleep that night? Oh, no, we never slept oh, we the whole next day. But of all the things I've covered at CNN, that was probably the most um, impactful. That was the one that probably tugged at my heartstrings the most. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was awful, yeah. awful, awful. Yeah. People losing everything and just escaping with the clothes on their back. So yeah. you see a lot of... You know, as you guys all know, covering these things, it's, it's can be tough sometimes. So, so talking about going out and covering things out in the field like that, we have a viewer who asked a question uh, for you, Jennifer, says, how do you feel when the Weather Channel sends Chris out uh, on major storm you know, <laughs> events? Uh, well, what, what if I get jealous for his, where he's going or, or something like that? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I don't, well, so this, I don't know how I, I mean, I don't think it's ever been where, you know, he gets sent to the better stuff. He, I he thinks I get sent to the better. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, we've been we've been to uh, the same location once, and that was for was it Hermine? Yeah, we ended up. We, we ended up in Apalachicola. We were both in Apalachicola for a night um, in Hermine, um, and then the very first or the very first Boston snowstorm. Remember when Boston had back to back to back to back snowstorms mm -hmm. years ago? Yep. Um, the first storm, we were on the same flight, but when we landed, I went to Boston with my producer and he went to Providence with his, but, um, Rhode Island, but yeah, well, no, we don't, we don't really compete within the household. <laughs> <laughs> a very smart. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. We've got, uh, Jennifer besides, besides yourself, obviously with Kim and Dean on here as well, uh, some very, uh, strong meteorologist, female meteorologist, and, and I'm always curious as to, and obviously Dina and, and Kim, you guys can chime in on this as well, but I'm always curious as to the challenges that you guys have faced and overcome and where you see maybe boundaries breaking down um, with females in television and weather. We hear it all the time. And I think we'd be remiss and our listeners would be remiss not to hear Jennifer from you and others as to what you faced and where you see things have come and improved uh, over the, the last few years. Hmm. Uh, you want me to, me to answer that? Yeah. Why don't you start? Uh, okay. Um, well, I guess when I first got into television, it was uh, 2003 and there were a lot fewer female meteorologists than there are now. So, for instance, if you worked in local news, you would have maybe one female meteorologist at the station tops. Mm -hmm. You never, you rarely saw more than one female at a local station. Um, where now, you know, especially in the market where I worked in Miami, sometimes the majority of the meteorologists there were women. Um, so I think that's one of the things that's changed in such a positive way. I think that um, more and more women are getting into the science and meteorology, and I think that the more women that do it, the better, because we just need more people in it in general, and I think that, um, you know, that's one of the positive things that's happened um, with, with meteorology. Um, as far as, like, things that I've dealt with, um, 
I don't know. I've had, I've had such a very positive experience at all the places that I've been. I mean, I remember struggles early on in some of my earlier markets, just figuring out this whole TV thing and finding your place and things like that. But as far as other places that I've been, I feel like, um, you know, most of the people have been very supportive. I think as a woman, I haven't felt, um, I don't know how to put it, that I haven't had to really um, compete with the men at the station. I've had very, very um, nice people that have taught me so much. Um, so I don't know. Kim, maybe you have something to add to that. I just... No, I, I totally... Not so much what you've experienced personally, but what you've seen in others since you all have kind of been in local and national yeah. markets. Especially by viewers, too. Address that as well. Man, this could be a whole Dr. Phil show. Yeah. Sure could. Hey, my name's Phil. Oh, <laughs> no, no, don't. Oh, Dr. Phil's in. That's a whole different podcast. I'm not and, and things have changed, and some have gotten better. And mm -hmm. it depends, I think, on, on, I think as I've gotten older and been in this, you have to, Decide how you want to carry yourself and what you'll put up with and what you won't. You pick your battles. I mean, there's been times where I've had a male producer come over and look around. And he's like, I said, what do you need? He's like, oh, I'm looking for a meteorologist. Where's John? <laughs> he's right over there. He'll walk your ass right over there now. <laughs> you know? But, you know, it, it's also how you present yourself. And um, I think confidence when you're confident in your abilities and mm -hmm. confident in yourself, that radiates out. If, if you, if you let it, it could overwhelm you. Right. I, I, I think that. Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, as a female, you know, especially lately, um, the last couple of years with Twitter, um, anybody can say anything mm -hmm. and you know, you can get 50 great comments, but the one person that's going to say something negative, that's the thing that's going to stay with you the rest of the day or the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. It's exactly right. You have to decide who you're going to be. You can't try to be someone else. And, um, you know, if someone doesn't like it, sorry. You know, you're, you're who you are and you have to be confident in that. If not, um, some of the trolls will just eat you alive. You know, you have to have thick skin for sure. And, you know, another thing is, you know, for women, especially, especially when, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of male meteorologists, I think a lot of times we like to just withdraw and we, we don't have, if we don't have the confidence to kind of interject and join in the conversation, then we get left out. Mm -hmm. So any advice to women out there who want to get into the field, make sure that you jump into the conversation because then you gain respect and you get more confident, but don't sit back just because there's a group of male meteorologists having a conversation about the computer models. Mm -hmm. Jump in, get in there. And hold and, your ground. And hold your ground. Absolutely. You know, don't let them, you know, talk you out of something if there's something yeah. you don't believe in. Darn right. Wait, Stop wait, up. Kim, weren't you yeah. in the Air Force and with a gun too? So, yes. I'm just, you know, oh and tough. So maybe have a gun too. <laughs> there will be no mansplaining here, baby. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Let's, uh, I, I just, I want to get a little of your feedback on that. And, and I, I think with Jennifer on tonight too, I wanted to hear a little on that end. But uh, Jennifer, tell, tell our listeners how they can follow you on social media. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Jennifer Gray CNN, um, and I believe that's my Instagram as well, Jennifer Gray CNN. Um, yeah, there you go. 
Good. So yeah, so now we just told all the trolls, obviously, how to follow you. Uh, <laughs> so let's do this. It's time for our lightning round, Jennifer. This is our speed round of fun questions for our guest, and we are going to get the uh, Stormfront Freaks co-hosts involved in this tonight, but we are going to play Parenting 101, Ooh. <laughs> uh, because everybody, I think, on the show, minus Brady, that we're aware of. Uh, <laughs> That's what he says. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to go down the row with our co-hosts. I'm going to ask them a question. That, uh, they're going to give me an answer, and it has to do with either the question's going to the, the answer to the question is either going to be the father or the mother. Okay, so it's kind of a fact, um, and they'll they'll give you an answer, father or mother. Jennifer, it's up to you to agree or disagree based on your own experience. Wait, who's You're meowing? Right. That's what I want to know. <laughs> not me. That was Brady. Not me. Not no, Brady. Not. <laughs> I, you saw, no, I, oh my. All right. So on that note, Brady, we'll start with you and your cat. Oh, um, here, here's the question. 52% of these say they are the primary grocery shoppers. Are those the fathers or the mothers? You know, my first instinct was mother, but I think that's because you wanted us to say that. So I'm going to say father. <laughs> All right. So, he's the, so Jennifer, Brady thinks, and Brady's, by the way, not a parent. So keep this in mind. Well, as far as you know. There's not much that's, of it. That's true. As far as I know. So he said he said the fathers are the 52% that say they do the primary grocery shopping. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, disagree. Uh, and you would be incorrect. <laughs> it is the fathers yeah. that do that. No, say, no, right. Now here's the key. Well, it's because they, they say. They say. Yes, yeah. exactly. So 52% of yeah, the fathers say try. they're the primary grocery shopper. I bought a six-pack once. <laughs> they do that because they go out and buy the extra cookies and cakes. I, I bought the lottery tickets tonight, babe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Next one, Dina. This is you. So, so okay. Dina's a mother, Jennifer. So this, this, uh, I'd have a little faith here. On average, which gets the most spent on them during Father's or Mother's Day? Do the fathers get the most spent on them on average, or do the mothers get the most? Ah, uh, the mothers. On them? The mothers. The mothers. So, so yeah. Jennifer, yet to, you're yet to experience a Mother's Day, so it's coming. But what do you think? I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that. And you would be correct. It is the mothers that, uh, that get the most spent on them. And Very Chris, good. if you're listening, it better be. It's good. That's <laughs> right. And Jen, wait till they wait till your son starts making you little Mom's Day cards and stuff. It's oh. All- uh, I always just got my mom coffee, so that's hey, right. coffee. All right. All right, we're moving. Kim, this is you. So we have another mother. Okay. So, whose level of education has a greater impact on the child's future success in school? Is it the father or the mother? Ooh, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Uh, I'm gonna have to say father. Okay, so Jennifer, Kim says father. Do you agree or disagree? I feel like I just read about this study, and I want to say it was the mothers, but that's only because I feel like I read it. Is that right? Is it the mom? Uh, it is incorrect. It is the father. Mm. The father's oh. level of education has a greater impact yeah. on the child's future success. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean the mother doesn't. I think mm-hmm. it was a seven-to-four relationship or something like that, okay. but father has a, has a bigger impact. Is all, that is. all right. Maz. Maz is the dad. 
I've also been called a mother. Just to <laughs> <listen>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a good question, and I, I want uh, Jennifer to respond based on experience on this one. Mm. But Maz, who who changes a diaper faster, the dad or the mom? <laughs> the mom. <laughs> okay. I still have tape on me from stuff, and my kids oh, are great at all. Tape. You wash your hands, right, Maz? <laughs> it's duct tape. You can duct tape everything. Maz thinks it's the mother that changes the diaper faster. What's your experience, Ben? Well, since I'm such a veteran, three and a half weeks in, I will tell you though, our son hates having a dirty diaper and loves having his diaper changed. I think the table is his favorite place to be. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I don't know who changes a diaper faster. Um, it kind of depends on who's, <laughs> how fussy he is. Um, Chris, you mean? Is he fussy? I think I'm going to choose myself. <laughs> All right, so so here's uh, so what did you say, father or mother? The mom. The mom. Okay, so here here are the numbers. The mother changes the diaper on average in two minutes and five seconds. The father changes the diaper on average in one minute thirty six seconds. Let's he go. wants to get out of there as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they don't care what it looks like. Like the moms will get it perfect. It'll be wrapped. Wait, yeah. right. oh, there was tape. I didn't know there was There'll tape. There'll be tape up on the kid's head. By yeah. the time the but on. then the moms have to fix it, right? Yeah, that's right. That's All right. Uh, the, the dads are like, "What are wipes? Oh. What are wipes for?" You know, they don't even wipe. Yeah, yeah that's right. What? <laughs> All right, we're going to go to MJ. All right. Uh, he's a father as well. 88% of – this is an easy – you know what? I'm going to skip that. It's too easy. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, thanks. Give me this one. <laughs> Who gets the most collect calls on Father's Day or Mother's Day? So do the, do the fathers get the most collect calls on Father's Day or do the mothers get the most collect calls? How do they measure that? I'm going mothers because do they call the fathers on Father's Day? Okay, so mothers. So, so Jennifer, Mark says mothers get the most collect calls on Mother's Day than fathers do on Father's Day. Sure, I'll agree with that. That would be incorrect. What? I'm mothers, mothers get the most calls, but ah, fathers okay. get the trick. most collect calls. Oh, that's <laughs> a good question. question. Yeah, the, the, the key word in there was collect. Yeah. Collect. Yes, collect. Is there still such a thing? I don't even measure that. Calls? All right, all right. Can you do go, that I'm going to go back to I don't I think you can from prison. Last one. Last one. <laughs> okay. Who has this is for Dina? Who has a greater impact on whether a child is left-handed, the mother or the father, Dina? Ooh. I'm gonna say the mother because she's the one that helps the most with their homework. Okay. Um, because I know, like my kids, when they were right in preschool. They said, try to keep them using their right hand. Show them how to use it. I'm going to go with mom. That's my final, final answer. All right, Jennifer, what do you think? I can't argue with that explanation. I was pretty <laughs> 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 so I understand. I'm still on the collect calls question. That, uh, that, would be, that would be correct. It is the hey. mother that has a greater impact hey. on whether the child is left-handed <laughs> Hey, not. Phil, speaking of uh, left-handed, and everybody should check this in your newsrooms, our newsrooms have 75% of our producers are left-handed. Wow. Wow. You, got, you guys check it out at yours and see if that's the case. Okay. Go around and ask them. They'll think you're weird, but ask them anyway. Wow. Okay. That's strange. Well, anyway, hey, thanks for playing along with us, Jennifer. You did a great job on that. And no uh, 
you, you will obviously as you grow into motherhood you'll learn more of those answers and have your own questions to ask <laughs> in the future but hey dina okay um you've got some stormfront freak swag right i do i have yeah, a what do you shirt have? and what a hat okay. i have a shirt and a hat um and that's it shirt and hat okay yeah. well it will tell you what you've got to tell your friends to check out the stormfront freaks podcast store at stormfrontfreaks.com so whether it's for you or a storm freak like us we can deck you out in some great swag with our sweet tornado logo uh, we've got men's and women's sport tech t-shirts like dina has we've got professional embroidered polos i know Matt has one of those Ooh. and and we've got sweatshirts for those cool fall nights no matter what it is we've got the gear for you visit and share the stormfront freaks podcast store at stormfrontfreaks.com so we're going to take a short break our podcast listeners will hear the latest edition of the titans u minute with chris sanner but stay right here we'll be back with jennifer and the freaks to discuss the mixed hurricane warning messages being conveyed on television and social media and now it's time for the titan u minute with chris sanner Let's take a minute to talk about shelf clouds versus wall clouds. To do that, we have to first talk about inflow and outflow. First, inflow is the warm, unstable, and moist air blowing into and then upwards through a thunderstorm. Inflow is what gives storms their fuel. Think of it like a storm breathing in. Outflow, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It's cool, stable, and moist air blowing out and away from a thunderstorm's core. So when it comes to shelves versus walls, they're simply functions of each. A shelf cloud is typically miles wide and at the beginning of the cool and stable air blowing out and away from a thunderstorm. Shelf clouds will be highly turbulent, but rotation is rarely organized. They also appear to slope out and away from a storm's core. Wall clouds form underneath thunderstorm updrafts as a function of inflow. Not all wall clouds are dangerous but they'll be smaller than shelves on average, tend to slope down and towards the precipitation core, and they will be a bit more organized with their motion if there is any present. Remember, while they can look similar, a shelf cloud and wall cloud are two very different features. Be sure to check out our new series, Wild Weather on Tornado Titans. To find the series, simply search on your favorite social media channel for Tornado Titans. We'll see you next time. All right, welcome back. Hey, we've had a very active tropical storm season already this year. Maria's making another mark in the Caribbean as we speak. And there's a there's a big challenge with hurricanes and tropical storms in that they can bring tornado force winds, heavy rain, and storm surge, with which both can cause devastating flooding. And they also bring hard-to-spot, quick-developing tornadoes. So with all of these dangers... You guys know we're seeing mixed messages, not only just on TV, but also on social media with with what the true threat is and, and really what it should be. So what should our local and national TV weather faces be focusing us on? And, and from, a, from a national level, Jennifer, and obviously you have experience on a local level as well. Let's start with you. What, what have you experienced in the message we're trying to send? What do you think we should be sending? I think the biggest challenge is just that you every storm is different and there's so many different parameters that you're trying to convey. I mean, these storms, like you mentioned, they have a lot of wind, they have rain, and, and depending on where you are is going to depend on what you're going to get. 
And so I think that's the biggest challenge when you have, say, a landfalling hurricane. You can't compare it to Andrew because somebody that lived in Fort Lauderdale did not experience the same Andrew that uh, Homestead experienced or even someone in Miami. So you have that. Uh, but you also have, depending on where you are, maybe for somebody, the wind is going to be the worst part of it. Maybe for somebody that lives uh, 30 miles away, the rain is going to be the worst part of it. Maybe somebody in a different location, the surge is going to be part of it. And so I think it's challenging just to, to channel all of that to get people to understand what, what is going to be the worst for me and what's going to happen with this. And, and not only that, we're, we're, we're forecasting these storms days in advance. And so when you're talking about a storm making landfall three and four days from now, um, it's really hard to pinpoint the exact location of where this is going to be. That's why we have the cone and that's why we, we try to communicate the level of uncertainty with these storms. But even right as it's making landfall, if this thing wobbles to the east or west or north or south just a little bit, that's going to mean the difference between maybe somebody getting hurricane force winds and somebody not, especially when the wind field's only, say, 30 miles with some of these storms. It's such a small area. And I like to compare that with, say, the Storm Prediction Center. There's a high-risk day. They don't pinpoint one exact city. They have a circle around a, a, a lot of cities, like a region. And so I think trying to communicate the uncertainty and, and not get people in their heads to think this is going to happen, uh, you know, it's going to make landfall in, you know, Miami or just south of Houston, you know, I think that's probably the biggest challenge is to um, get people to understand what we're trying to say and the uncertainty in that. Having worked in Miami, were you just amazed at Irma and the scope of the damaging winds across the entire state? I was, I was. And I was, you know, when I lived in Miami, we didn't have any huge landfalls while I was there. I started in uh, 2006, so I missed the uh, 2005 season. Um, but I was, I was amazed at um, how serious people took the storm. I was really impressed with that. Um, I have a lot of friends down there, and I'm still keeping in contact with everyone really well. And I was impressed because it had been so long since they had had a storm of that magnitude. And a lot, it's a transient place. Not many, a lot of people are, have moved there that have never experienced a storm. And so the serious um, nature in which they took the storm, I was impressed with. The keys. Um, just getting so much damage. That was heartbreaking. That's such a special place for me. I used to go down there once a week to go fishing and hang out. Um, so it was incredibly sad. But that's that's another storm. Everyone thought that it was going to impact Miami. And then last minute, it takes a little jog to the west and the west side of the state uh, gets it the most. So, you know, it's there again, it's the importance of the uncertainty and and, you know, that it's this entire region that could be impacted, not just once, not focus on one specific city. I've got to give it up to Florida. They are one of the best states to get their, you know what, together yeah. Yeah. when there's a hurricane coming. Yeah. They get out. They They're smart. They do. Yeah. They do. Do you, do, you guys, do you guys see an issue from, from, you know, and obviously Kim and Dina can talk about this as well, challenge of covering from a national level when you know, as Jennifer talked about, certain areas might have surge problems, certain areas might have wind problems, certain areas might have rain problems. Can you really on a national level, can you, when you're a national channel, can you really, do you think you can really cover that well? I, well, I I'll, yeah, I'll tell you how we do it. And it's mainly like, we'll try to give you an overview and say, okay, these are going to be your impacts. This is where it's going. And then we'll break it down into certain pieces. Like, let's just talk about surge. 
And I think surge is one of the hardest things for people to understand. People don't know really what surge is yep. until you explain it. Um, and so you only talk about that. Okay, maybe it's six to nine feet above sea level where they're thinking, well, is that even bad? You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you don't understand that. But if you give it to them like, hey, this will cover your first floor of your home, uh, then they kind of get it. And it and Jen, you are completely right about all storms not being created equal because like just just now with Maria, when it went across um, Puerto Rico, they had only six to nine foot surge where like Irma had, say, 14. And that was like a cat, you know, cat five when it went over Puerto Rico. It's all like the bathymetry, like how, how it's oriented, how deep the water is. There's so many little factors. And, uh, you know, we talked to Brady about being in Florida and how like, you know, his place was just wrecked and somebody else wasn't too bad. So, you know, just 10, 15, 20 miles of a path makes a huge difference. And people, that's a, yeah. the one thing I think is what, I think people don't leave for is they think, well, we've lived through this before. We'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Or we're on this side of town. I heard this in Harvey, like, oh, well, they're up in the Northwest. We're, we're fine. No, you're not. You've got 30 mm -hmm. inches or 40 inches of rain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, you have to break down every little sing, single thing. Like, okay, you're going to have this, 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 and this. All right, now let's go to this and just talk about this for a second. Yeah. And, and if you throw it all at them at once, it's too much. And there's still going to be people that stay like the people I talked to that stayed during Irma, you know, they were in a you know place that was supposed to get six to nine feet of storm surge. They only got like one to two feet, you know, for whatever reason. I'm, I'm still searching for that reason why they didn't get because I'm still trying to figure out storm surge. Um, but, you know, now they were like when I went and talked to them, they're like, yeah, see, I told you we should have stayed because I was telling them, hey, you probably should leave. And and now next time they get a storm system. They're not going to listen to anyone because they've in their minds, they've already made up their minds that they're going to stay for anything now. And and it's it's things like that that can be really dangerous. Mm -hmm. They're surely not going to listen to you. <laughs> no, no. I was like, come on. I was really glad that they didn't get hit hard. But right. Yeah. And it depends on the like, maybe it's not high tide. Maybe they were at low tide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It which they were. Like, actually, that was part yeah. of it. They were, yeah, that's part but, of it. I, I, you know, what's yeah. interesting, too, is we've had so many storms on top of each other. It's yeah. almost like, and I don't want to say people have forgotten about Texas, but they're on to the next storm. Mm -hmm. The devastation and the aftermath that continues for so long, I almost feel like people have almost, unless you're in it right now, a lot of folks have forgotten about what's happening sure. or the, the yeah. rebuilding that will take months or maybe even years in years. certain places. Yeah. That's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was seeing pictures too, like of a friend's house and, you know, they had GoFundMe pages set up and she was showing water and it was up like this was after the storm that was still up, you know, above her bathroom vanity, you know, and you think, how are you going to, where are you going to go? How this is going to take so long to clean up. And we were talking about their cars, like your car's ruined. Even if you try to fix it and sell it, you have to. Yeah. say that it was flooded i mean yeah. there's just so many things everything yeah. I, I think i think as meteorologists too it's important too that because when i see a tropical system you know i don't get i, I don't want to say excited but i'm interested in it and i and i want to talk about it to other people mm -hmm. i think us as meteorologists we really need to be careful that we don't go too far out in the future 
because then every tropical wave coming off Africa will be talking about potential impacts on you know Florida. And then when that doesn't happen, then you get a storm like Irma that's a direct hit. And luckily people did take it seriously, but I think you have to be very, very careful about how far in the future you let mm -hmm. yourself, because you know if I'm put on TV, you know, and more likely than not, I'm going to be talking about things that are still very, very, very far down the road, which given the uncertainty, that's the crucial thing is conveying that uncertainty okay. to the viewers. And, and that's still something that, you know, meteorologists across the country mm -hmm. are struggling with. On a national level, you typically don't start talking about, you know, some of the effects that, you know, people might feel until it's at least a couple days. Yeah. In there. And then you give like a broad, you know, it's kind of like a triangle. You start out, you know, the broad picture, you know, of course, with tropical systems, you're going to get all these things. And then as the time gets closer, then you start narrowing it down. And then, you know, come to that point of the triangle, the local take, you know, pe people take over and then they get specific. But even at the Weather Channel, we got specific. You know, we, we would zoom in, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in the Miami area or Tampa area, or whatever, and show where the surge is going to be the worst. So National can do that and has yeah. done that. And um, but overall, you know, you just start out big picture, talk about possibility so people can start preparing for it as time gets closer then you kind of zoom in on you know more specific um some of the um things they're going to encounter and and then just down to the you know last minute but um i think i think you're right though you know brady you can't start you know five days out telling mm -hmm. people what they're going to expect you know you, yeah. Did you see the gfs closer. 346 yeah. hour forecast oh gosh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. yeah yeah not long enough, not long yeah. enough. I saw someone on Twitter that posted a name, you know, of Josie slamming, you know, Boston head on. It's like you just yeah. have to be wary of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a balance because, you know, their need. I was talking to my friend down there and it's like if he wouldn't have left, you know, five days before, he might not have been able to get out because of the fact that, um, you know, he couldn't find a place to stay in Carolina. Stuck and, in traffic. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like you need to be able to give these people preparation, but you also need to convey uncertainty mm -hmm. at the same right. time. Because yeah. people are waiting to the last minute to evacuate because it yeah. might not happen, you know, or is it really going to be that bad? And yeah, the other thing that I think we struggle with, too, is, um, you know, with social media, not only are you have just people posting just the most random bogus out of this world scenarios that that have no credibility, but also like for I notice a lot of people post on Facebook and then they'll post an update. But you know how Facebook is, it doesn't do just the, you know, the most recent. And so yeah. old posts will continue to show up. And yep. so I think that sends a lot of mixed messages too, uh, with mm -hmm. people not realizing that's the, not the most up-to-date information. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, Jennifer, is it hard as well? You know, because Kim and, and Dina, I mean, they work at a 24 hour, their experience obviously has been in a 24-hour weather environment and you with CNN, it's obviously not a 24-hour weather environment. Is it harder to try to convey the message you want to convey for a tropical storm when you've got 20 seconds or just three minutes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been a, a huge challenge for us. Um, luckily, though, um, whenever something as big as what we've seen over the past couple of weeks with Harvey and Irma, they will give you uh, a lot more time. And so you can break it down. Of course, um, you know, like you said, we don't do weather 24 hours a day, but we do get enough time to, you know, explain it the best we can. And I think that um, they've been doing a great job of it. I've been watching a lot of the coverage since I've been at home, but um, 
but yeah, that's always a challenge, especially when you, when you are on a time constraint to try to say the most important things. Um, you know, when you want to be up there talking for 10 minutes about it, you got to decide, okay, what's the most important thing? How I'm going to say this in the most simple way, the fastest way to get the point across. Um, it has created a, a huge challenge uh, for me and, and for our department, whereas in Miami, we would go wall to wall and we would be on 12 hour shifts, you know, and you could talk as long as you wanted to about something. (laughs) Um, Having to, to shorten that is, is super challenging. Absolutely. Good. Well, we want uh, all of our listeners and viewers, let us know what you think on the subject. You can email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook and go ahead and tag us your thoughts so we can share that on our next show. All right, we're going to take our final break. The rest of you can uh, refill your drinks with us. And when we come back, it's time for some great new WX resources. And you got to hear about this episode's Weather Fools. Hey, this is Ryan Davidson from Weather Underground on the Weather Channel, and you're listening to Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Hey, welcome back. It's time now for Weather Resources. I know Brady says his segment's the most exciting. I think this one is. Because it has the coolest places to go. And you can actually utilize this forever. So let's kick things off with ladies first. Dina, what do you have for a resource? All right. So we were just actually talking about tides and surge. So I'm going to, let's see, share my screen. It's been a couple months. I know. It took oh, a second. Look at that. Look this at is that. NOAA Ties and Currents. And this is great. Um, you can pretty much go anywhere you want. Uh, pick the state. What I use this the most for, I put it on Google Earth because you may not know, like when you get to Massachusetts, <laughs> like where you are exactly. Um, but what it'll do is you can click on um, any one of these places and it'll give you the high tide and low tide. Um, I use this a lot uh, with these last few hurricanes. So you can kind of time when the highest tide is compared to like when a storm's coming. Um, And that's when you're gonna get the worst surge. Um, But it's good just to know it in general in case you want to uh, just know it if you're at the beach. But uh, I really like that. I used it all on every hurricane. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like the Google Earth part of it. So if you do it, just click on that, and that way you can you just interact with it and click different places. Like, if you, say, if you want to go all the way up the coast of Florida, you can just keep checking it. Dean, does it have uh, anything storm surge uh, data on there? No, it's just tides, really. Okay. Um, okay. So you got to kind of look at the the cone and the timing compared to okay. the high okay. tide. That's yeah. How, how close can you zoom in? Can you get to like drone mode or? Mm. <laughs> no, it. There's only there. There are certain points. All right. But like sometimes you look at it, you're like, I don't know exactly where <laughs> these places <laughs> are. So that's why I like Google Earth because then you could just click on the map and it'll give you the same data. Very cool. I'm going to use that. All right. To our other lady. Hey, Kim, what do you got? Hey. Okay. Well, let's make sure I can uh, do this. Okay. Let's see. All right. Okay. You got it? Yeah. yeah. Do you see it? <gasps> Oh, I have been practicing. All right. So this is an NCAR UCAR site. And um, what I wanted to show here was, uh, by the way, it's um, 
www.ucar.edu if you want to go there. And I go down here, I like using this, to the um, real weather. And that takes you to this page where it has satellite radar surface upper air forecast. And you let's say you want to look at some surface observations the last couple of hours um, across the, you know, the U.S. You click on surface and it takes you to the U.S. And you can put an end date, an end time, the loop duration, you know, one, two, three hours. And uh, so let's say I'll do um, three hours. I'll click on, let's go down towards uh, Montgomery. Click on that. And it should start looping the last three hours. You could see the surface observations. So, you know, every good meteorologist always begins with an analysis. You know, you look at what's happening now in the atmosphere. So I like going to this page and just looking around the country with that. But also you can do it with upper air. It's the same thing here. You know, all the millibars up to 200. Um, also radar. And on radar, you can see velocity and also reflectivity. And I think lightning, you have to subscribe to get that one. And then for forecast, you click on forecast. And um, this one, let me see, I go over here. And for some reason, it's not going. You know what? It takes a little while I to think get it's to that just one. Slow. Yeah, I think it takes a while to go there. And satellite, the same thing. You get, you can on satellite. Of course, you got water vapor and all the good images, um, infrared, and uh, the same thing. You can, you know, pick the loop time you want, the area that you want. It will do that. So this is a great one, I think, for analysis. So if somebody wants to, you know, come in for a weather briefing. Uh, they want to do their own briefing. They can look around the country and get this good information. Also on radar, I believe it also does skew T analysis so oh i love that yeah so for all or cities. t skew as i call it that was 32 ski do so anyway no that's way. mine anyway that's awesome are you guys all amazed at how much data is actually out there these yes days? yeah oh, it's, it's incredible yeah. you know i use that for or, uh kim i use that for a couple class projects oh you did really oh yeah oh that's awesome what'd you get did you get it in a minus, you know. <laughs> 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 All right, Brady, back to you then. You got one, don't you? Oh, yeah. So I was looking um, with Hurricane Irma and all the tropical activity. Actually, let me share my screen first. Um, I was looking for a good, like, real-time um, forecasting map of, you know, of, like, a big-picture kind of coastal website. Um, and this is from NOAA. It's called... Uh, actually, there's no www, which is weird. It's nowcoast.noaa.gov, um, and you can see this legend on on the right. Um, there's actually, and there's a bunch of different layers you can do, including surface wind gusts, wind speeds, air temperatures, dew points, cloud cover, and this is forecasts um, for the next six hours. Um, you can see it only does like the United States, basically, and the coastal waters of the United States, so it cuts off here around. Dominican Republic, um, but there's um, Maria down there. So it, it's, it's showing you the wind gusts. These colors of the wind gusts, I think blue is like 20 miles an hour, purple is like 30 miles an hour. Um, so it's really cool. There's a bunch of different stuff you can do on this website. Um, it's it's basically on the top it says, you know, it's, it's NOAA's web mapping portal to real-time coastal observations, forecast, and warnings. So it gives you really a big picture kind of, I mean, it, look, it even has... Um, Jose up here as well. So it's it's really helpful um, to getting the kind of big picture. Oh, that's a good one, Brady. Yeah, I've never seen that one. That's good. 
Does cool. it have sea surface temperatures on that one, or does anybody know where no. you can find that? I believe yeah. it. It definitely should uh, no, for I sure on here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's wave height, but I, I know for a fact that it should somewhere. Uh, but I and then how right how there. often do they update? That's a, the next question, especially with uh, all these hurricanes. You know. Oh, it was last updated at nine twenty one and ten fifteen, <clears throat> right there. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. They, they, I'm assuming they update. I'm assuming they update it uh, pretty regularly since this is real time. Uh, from okay. Noah. So. Okay. Awesome. Cool. All right, Phil, can you top that? Uh, no, I can't. Well, you okay. know what? I might. I might give it a give it a shot. Let's just skip um, then. I. I no. I'm gonna go to uh, <laughs> Greg Johnson on Twitter. Greg Johnson is a storm chaser uh, from Canada. Wow. But he was recently up in the Yukon, and he took uh, some amazing time lapse mm-hmm. photography wow. of the Northern Lights. And and normally I'm a storm guy. I don't I don't get into a lot of the wow, oh, wow. you know space wow. and, and I but and so normally I might not get into uh, and get excited about northern lights. But I'll tell you what, this is some beautiful stuff that he Holy took, crap. and wow. I was so amazed, uh, and and just thought this was definitely a, a good WX resource. So Greg Johnson, you can find him on Twitter at Tornado Greg. This is Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will put the actual link to this uh, time lapse video he had, uh, dated September twentieth. Uh, if you want to check it out, Phil, how uh, how long do you think that time lapse? Like, what time period do you think it spans? I have no idea because obviously it's there's different there's different yeah. angles. So he's mm-hmm. it's been in different locations. So it's a compilation. Yeah, that uh, he's put together, but, but I mean, it uh, looks it looks like those. I mean, those clouds were moving very fast, so it definitely looks like you know those those northern lights are moving pretty good. And it's set to yeah. music too, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. If you want to listen to it, yeah, that's cool. I like that one. Hey, yeah, A plus on that one, not an A minus. Nice job. Dang bro. it! Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Come on. All right. Hey, if you missed uh, any of those links, you can find them on stormfrontfreaks.com, episode thirty six show notes. And that way you have links to absolutely everything, just in case you're driving on the road right now and listening to our podcast. All right, Brady, what do you got for your your right. part of the show? Well, it's oh yeah, this is this is my part. Uh, so this is everyone's <laughs> favorite part of the podcast. I know it's mine. I've gotten a lot of viewer uh, reviews coming into me, just all of us <laughs> telling me that this is their favorite part. So. What is Weather Fools? Weather Fools is basically, um, we look at these past two weeks, uh, we look at someone in the news or on a YouTube video or a funny weather comic uh, that we can share, <laughs> um, and, and it's it's pretty good. So, Dina, who is okay. your Weather Fool this week? All right, let me share this. All right, so this is a um, video, um, and the, even the description says, these guys watched a storm barrel over their lodge, um, and they're kind of just like filming and it takes about a minute to get into it. But then all of a sudden it strikes a tree. Let's see. Give it a second here. Oh, I got to move it forward. And then it takes, you got to go almost a minute into it. Cause they're like kind of do 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 do. I'm just going to watch the storm and take a video. And then it hits a tree <laughs> and it explodes. Oh my God. And their reaction is so funny. <laughs> Like audio reaction. Oh, oh. oh my god! Wow. We saw a flash. No and way. You gotta watch it because you need the the sound. 
you hear him screaming, yeah. and this tree just pretty much explodes. You could see it kind of come down. The ground. Well, I'd like to oh. see. Oh, that's incredible! Wow. It's so, and it's funny because <laughs> their reaction makes the whole thing. I mean, not only is it good lightning, but um, it's it's their reaction is what makes it. They probably have to right. check their. At pants. least they were inside. At least they were inside. Yeah. Yeah. They were safe. Although What's it looks that like they were website. Over. What's that website? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this was, it's from dukeandmedia.com. Uh, I'll send it to you and we can put it on our show notes. Okay. Because um, it's kind of a long okay. uh, website, but it, it's hilarious. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dina, that was awesome. Kim, <laughs> I'm dying to hear what is your weather pool this week? <laughs> it's not as exciting, I don't think, as uh, <laughs> mine in the past. <laughs> but um, all right. So mine is actually a let's, oh, oh wrong one okay here we go okay so this one um was an uh two anchor two a reporter and anchor this is on msnbc um she was and behind the woman is somebody this is during irma by the way and this i believe is in florida and there is somebody behind this reporter who is kite surfing and you have to see this to believe it i mean these it's so choppy these waves are huge this guy is out there um kite surfing look at this he goes under under, but he's able to get himself back up again but she starts (laughs) freaking out the the anchor at msnbc is like oh my gosh look at the person behind you and then they start talking about how dangerous it is and He's just out there like, you know, this is awesome. And I'm, look I'm at surprised this. he doesn't take off like a radio song. Yeah, yeah. like a radio. Oh, really? I he know. Some good measurements up there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my, exactly. <laughs> this is why yeah. I want to start a webpage called Why Women Live Longer Than Men. <laughs> you know how many of these things I see right. every day with right. videos? Like, oh, this is the reason. Good. Hey, how do you know that's a guy? I know That's it. True. Oh, it's a guy. You don't know it's for sure. Oh, it's from a, a distance. It's a but guy. it's funny because you, you guys will have to watch this and listen to it because they're talking about how dangerous it is and how ter- you know how dangerous it is and um, the wave heights and this um, the rip currents and all this stuff. And then there's this guy kite surfing behind her. And it's kind of funny, you know. It's like, is it really that bad of this guy? Of course, you know <laughs> yeah. it is, but it just was oh. kind of funny. But that's my. I'm going to have to learn how to kite surf. That's for I sure. know. Me too. It looked very cool. I like that, that CG. It says, surfing. you will not survive this surge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Right. That's mine. Okay. Well, Kim, that was, you undersold it. That was pretty incredible. So. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> that was See, awesome. And the, sc- the it. screen, it was screen sharing was flawless. That was, <laughs> even wait, wait, Dina was <laughs> long, yawning. I'm just tired. I got to get up in two hours. There you oh, go. All right. Dina. We'll move things along here, Dina. We'll move oh, things along. All right. Move it along, Grady. <laughs> who's your weather fool this weekend? It better be. All right. So, so my weather fool is not a particular person. It's uh, uh, how many of you saw during Irma? Yep. I saw that. That when when, uh, when the waters, uh, the tide waters receded, um, because mm-hmm. the surge, it was like an anti-surge, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, people were up in Tampa Bay and up all along the entire western coast of Florida. People were starting to walk out into the empty surf, uh, the empty beach, and they were getting out their ways. The picture I'm showing right now from Twitter isn't one of the worst actually that i've seen I, i've seen somewhere they're way out there and i'm like you know what at any moment 
Yeah. That yeah. that could come back and it could come back mm -hmm. a lot faster than you might be able to run back in a sloshy sand environment. Yeah. Yep. And so and there's my, kids in that picture. Yeah. 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 What are you no teaching kidding. your kids? Look at this zoo. Like, yeah, I'm gonna take my kids out to the coral beach yeah. today. So my my weather fool is more of a collective weather fool of yeah. uh all the people that thought, Oh, that looks cool. I'm gonna go out and go mm -hmm. out as far as I yeah. can out into the ocean with my where kid. there's no water. <laughs> with my kid, right. It's yeah, like a tsunami, you know, the yeah. same yeah. idea, the tsunami yeah. and Let's people go sit out the shore and watch the tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. All right, Phil, that was great. Uh, I'll continue moving along here. So my <laughs> weatherful this week. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy named Frankie McDonald. Um, but he is a notorious no, he did not. He actually lives. He, he's a mean. I he believe. He's, store. I believe he's a meteorologist in Nova Scotia, um, of all places. And here he is giving a Puerto Rico uh, hurricane warning for Puerto Rico. Uh, I'll just I'll just play the audio because you got to hear it. I'll play both at the same time. This is Frank McDowell, my old TV station live in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Attention, citizens of Puerto Rico. Oh my gosh. Attention, citizens of Dominican Republic. And and that goes on for another oh minute thirty-eight of him just losing his mind. He's crazy. Who, who the hell are you following, Brady? Okay, he's crazy. He was retweeted from a friend. Okay, okay. But this guy, he's notorious for making these kind of just unbelievably over-the-top crazy weather videos. Oh, oh, so, Frankie uh, McDonald. His his latest tweet was. Uh, a picture of him riding a shark in Disney World. So, oh my yeah. god, yeah, the okay. infamous Frankie McDonald yeah. weather oh, report. And, <laughs> yeah, and his, his second picture is a Photoshop of him in outer space with just like a bunch of himself surrounding like like faces. You just have you just have to check out his Twitter. Account. You got you got to totally like make a gif out of that and then meme it yeah. with whatever yeah. whatever warnings you need to. Yeah, his Twitter handle is at Frankie MacD. Uh, so. God, you're really going to even give that out to everybody. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, it's going to be on the show notes as well. All right, Phil. All right. I was getting That's, to that yeah. point. How'd you right? get a million it's... followers in one night? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, all, all these uh, weather fools are going to be on our show 36, right? Show 36. Show episode notes. 36. Episode That's 36 right. at stormfrontfreaks.com. And you know what? Check out the store while you're there. There's some pretty sweet gear. Uh, I think I'm going to do that tonight as well. Nice segue. Right. Sounds like a plan. All right, let's uh, let's jump to our listener questions and responses. MJ, what do, what do we have from our listeners tonight? Even all right, we've got a we've got a few uh, Lunalite at Obsidian Wing, and I, I suspect uh, she may also be one of our Whoa. YouTube viewers. Uh, she tweets, "You really should invite uh, Daniel Shaw onto your show." And and by the way, no, that's not the character from the TV series Chuck. Uh, Daniel Shaw is actually an Australian storm chaser, so she's giving oh, us a suggestion. That'd be we might cool. Now, what's Chuck? Is that is that? That was a show. <laughs> okay. yeah, you're too young, Brady. It's like it's a sitcom. Been, it's it's a, long long a sitcom, yeah. Yep. It's like a spy no, sitcom Chuck. or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know somebody I named Chuck. <laughs> uh, Luna Light also tweeted a weather uh, WX resource suggestion. Um, it's an interactive globe called Earth Wind Map. Very very cool. You can. Um, Rotate it around and see the entire Earth uh, and all kinds of different wind patterns. Um, mm -hmm. 
and other a whole bunch of other things. Uh, it's it's a great resource. Uh, maybe oh, I'll thanks. use I, I may use that in a WX resource. That's awesome. Uh, Is it a link? segment next time? And yes, you can find it at Earth Null, E A R T H N U L L dot. Oh, oh shoot. Yeah, Catherine. Earth Null School dot net. And Jennifer at JSTAR79 tweets, this is the coolest cup I have. Thanks to at Stormfront Freak, and she had a picture of our Stormfront Freak's cups. Oh, I nice. suspect she picked it up at the uh, Bill Paxton event. Yeah. Raise the price. Yeah, that's Raise the awesome. price now. Go <laughs> well, from free to, to more free. So thank you, everyone, for listening and participating. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, that, I think, about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freak's podcast and Stormfront Freak's Raw. Thanks for listening and watching. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. Uh, also, special thanks to our guest, Jennifer Gray. And for those of you that want to know, our next episode in two weeks, recording live on October 5th, will be with Norman, Oklahoma's National Weather Service Warning Coordinator Meteorologist. Fast. Uh, Mr. Rick Smith will be our guest in two weeks. So be sure to click subscribe on your podcast app to be notified when it's available. Uh, go to stormfrontfreaks.com or our YouTube channel if you would like to watch the recording live like we're doing here tonight. We expect lots of people from Oklahoma to be on watching mm -hmm. next time, right? Yes, we do. Absolutely. I, I, I would imagine that. I would imagine that. And Rick, Rick uh, Smith is also a, a regular on the Weather Brains podcast as well. Cool. So people might know him from there. But for MJ, Maz, Brady, Kim, and Dina tonight, I'm going to signal the all clear. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bam! Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.